Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is Dan Romero. He's the Vice President and General Manager of Coinbase, uh, probably the world's most popular uh, crypto wallet and uh, you know, a leader definitely in the crypto space big time. So I'm very glad to have you on. Dan, how are you doing? Hey there. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I'd be surprised if they don't, but in case people don't know, can you tell, uh, tell the audience just about Coinbase in general, the premise of the company and you know, a little bit about what you do? Sure. So Coinbase is one of the largest cryptocurrency companies in the world. And our goal is to be the most trusted and easiest to use product to cryptocurrency space. So really mm-hmm. focused on uh, safety and security, storing cryptocurrency safely and easy to use in terms of being able to link a payment method that would be familiar to any customer and easily get into and out of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin or Ethereum. Yeah. And just in disclosure, in case anyone cares, you know, I've used Coinbase and, uh, you know, from what I know, there's millions of people that have as well. So just for listeners of the podcast, you know, I've used Coinbase for a while. I've used their web application. I've used their app on the phone. Um, and I found it to be really easy to use and, uh, you know, it looks beautiful. It's graphical. You see charts. It's, uh, it's one of the nicer applications I've used in the crypto world. So just letting people know that. Um, right now, I know that um, you guys would add, slowly add tokens. What, what currencies, what cryptocurrencies can be um, bought or sold on the Coinbase application? We currently support five cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Bitcoin Cash, Litecoin, and Ethereum Classic. Our hope is to add many, many more over the coming months and years. I think we tend to be a little bit more conservative than other companies in the space because we're based in the U.S. and the U.S. regulatory environment um, is pretty strict. And we take that really seriously. It's been a good mode of operating for us in terms of playing kind of nicely with regulators, with traditional financial institutions, and then obviously trying to do right by our customers. But Goal of being most trusted requires, I think, all three, and it's something that we've been successful in thus far. Yeah, it seems like, you know, because, I mean, you guys are out in front of everyone else, so you probably bear the brunt of regulatory burden more than almost anyone, and you have to be the, you know, the best behaved and uh, have to deal with a lot of parties. I mean, like, you know, so I've heard in the crypto world, sometimes banking relationships can be difficult, Um, you know, certain tokens you know, the SEC is saying there may be securities. I mean, so what what kind of factors that you can talk about do you have to deal with um, when you're considering listing a coin or allowing trading in a coin or, you know, just in the daily business? So I, I think those things all apply to us. I think bank relationships are, are challenging for, for cryptocurrency companies, it's something that we've worked really hard at. Um, and we have a great set of partners that we work with. Um, I think regulatory-wise, you have a bunch of different regulators in the space. So you have state level regulators, you have federal regulators, you have regulators that care about consumer protection, you have regulators that care about money laundering, you have international regulators. And I think that complexity can be a bit overwhelming for the average person. And one of the key things that we've done at Coinbase is try to abstract a lot of that away from our customers and just provide them with an easy experience. 
the thinking around new assets, we have a public framework where we have a whole host of criteria that we evaluate every new asset we would potentially add to our platform. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's the like I said, public, and you can kind of view that as the digital asset framework. But at a high level, we're looking at, is this something that is driving forward our mission, which is building an open financial system for the world? The second component, is, is it credible? Are there real developer teams working on it? Uh, what what are the kind of stated purposes of, of that cryptocurrency? Right. I don't think we're going to go list something that is specifically designed to do something illegal. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that there's another component around our customers asking us to add it. And we get feedback on social media. We get feedback via email. Uh, we survey our customers constantly listening to what they are telling us in terms of what they're interested in and what they would like to see added to the platform. Okay. Makes sense. Are there any tokens right now that everyone's clamoring for? You know, I'm not saying you're going to add them or not, but what seems to be the you know the flavor of the month or the thing people want most right now? I think generally a lot of the the tokens that have come out over the last couple of years um, that have unique use cases, I think people are are asking us to add, um, mm. but no, nothing in in particular. I think the high level would be. We have announced we're exploring five additional assets to the platform on a public blog post last month. Uh, I think we're investigating those assets, and then hopefully over the next couple months, we'll have additional assets we can we can kind of publicly disclose that we're exploring and potentially add to the platform. Okay. And I, I don't know how much you know about the user base, but do you know if they're, you know, hardcore developers or enthusiasts, or are they just kind of... Um you know, regular mom and pop people that are using the platform? Like, do you see uh, different behaviors from different people or do you know who is, uh, who's a user and who's not? We have a pretty good idea of who our customers are. We, we collect information. One of the regulatory requirements that we have being a U.S. company is uh, know your customer regulations. And mm-hmm. we ensure that we're complying with that. That requires us to collect name, address, potentially things like date of birth. And we have a, have a pretty good sense of who our customers are. I'd say we have most of our customers here in the U.S., although we do have customers globally. Um, we're operational in terms of our fiat to crypto conversion services in Europe um, and Canada, Australia. The pr- average profile of customer is kind of your average adult. Um, I think we have younger customers and we have older customers. But at this point, we've got tens of millions of customers uh, across the globe, and, and I think starting to get more of a representative sample of the population. And mm. hopefully, as cryptocurrency continues to gain more mainstream adoption and, and just general awareness, w- we will see the customer base of Coinbase, the same reflective global population demographics. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, we can all see publicly what the news is about crypto and, you know, the the interest level in it and everything. But you also see another side of it. You know, have you have you noticed that what happens in the marketplace happens on Coinbase first or after? Or, you know, like what do you see maybe that's different from what people would see just out in public? You know, uh, again, behavior or uh, interest in crypto. Or like, what have you seen happen over the past year? Well, over the past year, I think we've had a tremendous amount of growth. I think our customer base has significantly increased. Our profile as a company has increased. I think just general awareness of cryptocurrency has increased as well. And I think a lot of the press coverage in the space, cryptocurrency is inherently global. So you see a lot of coverage, whether that the trading volumes in Korea are exploding or 
you see an exchange in another country potentially has a security breach. I think the coverage tends to focus on wherever the most sensational story is at the time. And mm. for the reality of most of the activity on our platform is we are providing an easy way into the ecosystem for the first time for a lot of these customers. And I think if you look at the kind of average experience of, of what someone is doing on Coinbase, it's probably buying their first Bitcoin or Ether with a familial payment method, whereas the average story about crypto is talking about something that's more global or potentially something that's a little bit more institutional focused. Mm, okay. And I know, um, you know, last year, October, November, December, even January, things were so crazy in the market. The market was so rabid that it seems like people were overwhelming the exchanges and overwhelming some of the, the you know, the, some of the services where they couldn't keep up. They were trying to hire tons of customer service people and everything. And hopefully it's slowed down to like a manageable pace right now. But, you know, how do you feel about uh, the level of interest in the market? Do you think it's still very high or is it, is it low or where is it, what does it look like now? So 2017, like I said, massive amount of growth for the industry as a whole. And, and Coinbase, we, we definitely had our fair share of that. Uh, I think everyone ran into scaling the core pieces of infrastructure, whether that's servers or customer support. We have invested pretty heavily in all of those areas. And so, for example, I think our site reliability has been significantly better in 2018 than in some parts of 2017. I think overall, we were still pretty good last year. Um, not perfect by any means, but the customer support team has significantly increased in size. And I think hiring Tina Batnagar from Twitter, we significantly increased the professionalization of that organization. and. Um, I think the quality has also improved. And okay. I think while things have come down a bit since December, January, we're, we're still at a level that's at least an order of magnitude greater than where we were in, let's say, 2016. So I, I think while we've had a kind of run up and then since kind of cooling off period, I do think that the general size of cryptocurrency as an industry is significantly larger than it was two years ago. And mm. I think if you go back in histor historical run-ups and come-down uh, periods, I think you've seen the same trend play out several times in crypto. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they have. Um, what about uh, in terms of, um, you know, as crypto becomes more mainstream, you know, the various actors are getting involved, you know, regulators, uh, the IRS, uh, et cetera. Do you, have you guys had to build tools to help people do like tax reporting and, you know, other tools that they need for their own personal compliance? We have, and we have tax reporting tools available on our, in our products. I think the industry is continuing to evolve. Five, six years ago, there was no explicit guidance on what type of asset cryptocurrency was considered by the IRS. And I think now we know that it's property and there's a certain set of tax reporting obligations associated with that. Um, I think mm. that will continue to evolve over the coming years, and maybe it ends up getting classified as currency at, at some point. But I think. For the time being, we provide a set of tools to our customers, and I think generally I view paying taxes in the space as like a good thing because it means that the asset class is maturing and is different than whether it's equities or bonds or real estate. I, I think having cryptocurrency be considered another asset class that you have the same set of obligations as you would with any other asset class, um, despite what you might read on the internet, is, is a good thing. To okay. Yeah, I would agree. 
what's what's it like to uh, to talk with regulators or you know various government entities now? You know, near the in September 2018, is their attitude? You feel like are they understanding crypto more? Are they still super cautious about it? Like, what's your read of of how governments and uh, agencies feel about it, at least in the U.S.? It's definitely changed over the last four years. When I first started here, conversations with regulators, it was very rooted in Bitcoin. And at the time, the two main events that people were associating Bitcoin with was one, Silk Road, and two, Mt. Gox. So not necessarily the most positive uh, start to a conversation. That is significantly changed. We're 2018. Regulators, I think, are far more sophisticated on this subject. And you find them to be, I think, pretty pragmatic. Um, I think most of them are realizing that there's fundamental technology here and, and innovation. And so they don't want to be the regulator that squashed the, the next version of the internet, right? I think mm. they have a duty and obligation to protect the citizens of whatever jurisdiction that they're supporting, whether that's a state or, or at a country level. And so I, I think generally, similar to taxes, regulation is a really good thing for cryptocurrency in that it allows the industry to mature and it roots out outright scams or, or kind of other nefarious activity and it allows the technology to really solve people's problems and focus on what I consider exciting use cases rather than um, things that people might get taken advantage of, whether it's a Ponzi scheme or you know doing something mm. illegal. Yeah, what do you think are the most promising use cases of crypto that have a chance of becoming you know, in use in the next few years? So if you look at the internet, I think what it really revolutionized was publishing. So it took things that were printed paper, analog, and put them in a digital form and really massively increased the total addressable market for everything information related. I think the kind of next version of the internet was around Web 2.0 interaction, and you see customers taking kind of their daily lives and, and, and putting those online. So social media, I think, is a great example of that. And I think with, with crypto, you're starting to see this kind of next version of the internet, Web 3.0, where value is the, the core innovation and being able to program value and move value around is going to unlock a whole bunch of different use cases. So I think things like micropayments, so if you've ever been to a newspaper's website and have a paywall pop up, the ability to just have an instant payment in the background for a few cents to read an article, that can happen. Mm -hmm. Sending a wire internationally, if you've ever had to do that, or remittance, those tend to be pretty expensive and slow. Cryptocurrency, you can send a global payment as easy as an email. Um, so I, I think those are some of the core examples. Um, but part of it is, if I, if I was to tell you in 1994 what Airbnb or Facebook or Uber was going to end up being like in 2018, people would have looked at you like had three eyes. So part of the promise of technology is that it is so powerful and such a blank canvas, hard to predict exactly what use cases will take off when. But I think that yeah. the kind of core concept of moving from information to interactions to value in terms of what the internet can do is, is a good framing. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of people in the industry and I've talked about Coinbase and, you know, some people love Coinbase. Some people complain about Coinbase and, you know, it happens with every big company, but what I like what you guys have done is you've made it easy, you know, in order to dip your toe into the crypto world and to interact with it. And because of that, I think 
you know, you've been rightly rewarded with millions of customers. And, you know, I, I see in the industry, a lot of the people in it are just real techie, real nerdy into the, you know, the minutia and the tech details. And that, to me, that's not what's going to help widespread adoption or help these use cases get out there. So I like what you guys are doing. And that's why I was wondering, are, they, are there any use cases you see that you think may be headed in the right direction that's going to prove out to be useful to people that will actually help, you know, get crypto spread out and, uh, you know, in use amongst the common people? I think a great use case that has a chance to go mainstream and probably evolve a bit over the coming years, non-fungible tokens, the technical term for it, better known as hmm. crypto kitties and, and things like that. But the idea there being that you have great analogs in whether it's baseball cards or Pokemon cards or Beanie Babies or um, Magic the Gathering, Hearthstone. There, there are a lot of examples of people wanting to collect uh, kind of these more or less characters and then being able to use them in some type of a game. And you, you might write that off as, oh, that seems kind of silly, but there are big businesses today where people are essentially selling digital characters. Uh, I know Fortnite is a really good example of something that is really popular. Oh, yeah. and, and the last time I saw it, it was making a hundred million a month for a free to play game. And the reason it's making money is people want to customize their characters. They want to have something unique and it's not mm. required to play the game, but people opt into doing that. It's the same reason people buy their pet, different co uh, collars and sweaters and, you know, cute dog bowls. It, that's, I think, an inherently human thing is to want to customize. And mm -hmm. so I could see that these kind of uniquely, provably rare digital assets as an exciting new category for consumers. Is it guaranteed? No. Okay. Does it have some potential? Sure. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I'll have to think about that. Okay. What's, um, what's your gut feel on, you know, mass adoption of some kind of cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, whatever it is, you know, when... When will I be able to go to, you know, Starbucks and pay in Bitcoin and or ask, or ask them if they could accept Bitcoin? And they say, of course we do. You know, when do you think uh, that may happen? Are we any closer or, you know, who knows? Like, what's your feel? I think that's probably still a bit of a ways off because if you think about it, paying for a coffee is pretty much a solved problem. You can use your credit card. Now you have Apple Pay or even the Starbucks app. I, I don't think if you were to pull 10 people on the street, if you were to ask them, what issues do you have when you do anything financial today? Paying for a Starbucks coffee is not one of their top 10 issues. Whereas mm -hmm. if you were to ask them, well, have you ever sent an international wire remittance? You probably would get 10 different horror stories. And the same, same thing along the lines of uh, hitting a paywall when you're browsing around the internet. So I think the better framing to think about ma mainstream adoption of cryptocurrencies from a payment mechanism standpoint is what use cases are today not well served by the existing payment system, or if they are, they have really bad experience. And if you can mm. kind of list out th that set of things, those are more likely to be the ones that have cryptocurrency adopted over the next couple of years. I think at a certain point, sure, Starbucks will accept Bitcoin. But it'll probably be super pervasive. In the same way that... Um, I don't think the airlines were the first ones to have mobile apps, but as smartphones got really popular and everyone had one, they ended up putting their kind of full website into an app and you can do everything from an app. So I think generally you have to kind of look for the, the kind of underserved use cases for the kind of initial mainstream adoption. Yeah, that's a really good answer. That's, that's very different and unique. 
I like that. Um, what about uh, blockchain versus, uh, you know, cryptocurrency? You know, blockchain I'm seeing being used by, you know, IBM and Deloitte and these big companies and Walmart and all that. And, you know, they don't seem to have any need for tokens and any need for the cryptocurrency side of things. What do you see as the interplay between, again, blockchain technology and, you know, crypto tokens? Yeah, so the way I think about it would be the same way you could compare networking technology and the Internet. Obviously, the internet uses network technology, networking technology, and that's essential for you to get on the internet. And you can have a network that's not connected to the internet or a corporate network. But the reality is, at a certain point, everything kind of moved to the internet because that's where everyone was and it's really useful. It's the same thing with mm -hmm. cryptocurrency. So you have blockchain technology is something that you can use internally as a company to make your supply chain more efficient. I actually don't know too much about that. Credible people say that that's possible. The area mm -hmm. that I'm a little bit more informed about is, is cryptocurrency, which is, I think, much more akin to the, the public web or, or what we call the internet. And so at a certain point, people started putting things in the cloud. I would imagine you start off as a corporate, maybe doing some private blockchain or using blockchain technology. And then over some period of time, people will realize, hey, I can run this on a cryptocurrency network and maybe it's cheaper, faster, better, or more customers can plug into it. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a similar progression where people dip their toe in the water with blockchain technology and then eventually graduate into cryptocurrency. Okay. And then just last question or two. So, you know, in addition to adding new tokens um, and allowing people to trade and making it easy, I mean, what's, what are the goals of Coinbase as a company going forward, you know, for the next few years? Is there any new directions or products that you're coming out with, or is it just keep getting better at what you do? So I think about three ways. First is our core product, the consumer product, which is the product that I work on, and our product Coinbase Pro, I think it's increasing the number of people who have access to that product. So expanding into new countries like Japan or hopefully in, in more emerging markets. I think it's continuing to make it easy for people to connect the payment method and, and buy their first Bitcoin. We still need to get to a world where 100 million people globally have, have some amount of crypto before you start to really kick off a flywheel of apps in the same way that it took a while couple of years at least, for smartphones to get penetrated to the point that everyone then realized they needed to go build an app. I think we need the same thing for crypto. So that's getting people to own some amount of cryptocurrency or earn it or, or get it sent to them. And then I think mm. the last component is, is then really encouraging people to use it. And I think the uh, new set of products that we've released over the last year or so, so Coinbase Wallet, formerly Toshi, uh, Coinbase Commerce, Earn, which is a company we acquired, Paradex, are all examples of products that are really geared towards using cryptocurrency to so moving uh, folks from the investment phase more towards the utility phase of, of crypto. And then the last major priority, I think, for the company is to build out an institutional business based in New York, where we feel like what we've done well for consumers to date, we can do the same thing for bigger institutions, whether that's a firm on Wall Street or a university endowment. If they want to purchase a large amount of Bitcoin or another cryptocurrency, we can provide that, that easy on-ramp into this new ecosystem. And so kind of doubling okay. down on, on that as well. All right. So again, the last thing I want to ask you is, all right, so, you know, a call to action here. So what would you tell someone that, again, hasn't, doesn't own any crypto and is interested maybe in buying some? What would you tell someone that's interested in trading that already has? And then what would you tell uh, an institution or a company listening? You know, what are those three things that you'd tell them to do to get in contact or, you know, find out more? Sure. So 
first and foremost, I, I wouldn't ever give investment advice to, to anyone. I think generally people should make their own decisions. And I, I think the internet provides a lot of great information. So whether that's through Google or YouTube, uh, this is a space that people have written a lot about and produced a lot of great content. I would just kind of dig around there and, and see what you find to be credible. Um, Reddit is an example of a place where there's a lot of content on there, a lot of good content, and there's also a lot of content that's probably not as good. So always got to be conscious of where you're getting your content from. Um, I'd also probably seek out people that you might have in your network that might know a little bit about cryptocurrency and learn from them or what they think are, are credible sources. And if you get to a point where you say, you know what, cryptocurrency is something that I'm interested in exploring, then I'd say visit Coinbase.com and we have a pretty good flow in terms of where, whether you're a consumer or a business or, or an institution, we'll route you to, to the right product. Um, there are also other products out there. I wouldn't say Coinbase is the only one. I, I think generally, and I'm biased, we, we provide a great user experience for a new customer, but um, I would encourage people to do their research uh, and, and really get to a well-informed decision on a, should I even be uh, participating in this? And B, uh, what service provider should I use? Okay. Well, very good. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's been really great to talk to you, and you had some really unique insights, so I appreciate it. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.